Yeah. Three C's, my fiance. Yeah. Whoa, hey, yeah. whoa, say what? Hey, whoa, three C's, my fiance. Yeah. Hey, it's going down. Y'all know what time it is. We ain't playing with you in the club, in the street. And with that, good evening, everybody, and we welcome you into the final Thursday edition of No BS. It is Season 2, Episode 7 on this Thursday, September 10th, 2020, opening night of the 2020 NFL season. And also, everybody, for the first time ever, every North American major sports league is playing a game here today. Baseball, basketball, football, hockey, soccer, you name it, it is being played somewhere across the country right here and right now. Good evening, folks, as always, alongside Trevor Williams and Isaiah Leung. Callum McClure joining you folks here tonight again for the final time on a Thursday for No BS as we do, in fact, make a couple of changes on the MI6 Sports Network lineup starting this upcoming Monday. But, Trev, good to see you, man. How's uh, college life treating you today, man? You know, college life, it's been exciting. I knocked out my career fair today, so getting some job offers and opportunities coming up. But I'm excited that we have sports for an entire day. It was from like sunup to sundown. So it's glad I had the NFL back. So I'm excited watching Patrick Mahomes since I was playing him for fantasy, watching him go off in our other Just BS league because that league is broken and none of the stats make any sense. <laughs> now that sounds like one of those uh, very outrageous scoring systems, I bet. And also, folks, joining us from his home garage tonight is Isaiah Leung up in the Bay Area. Isaiah, man, always Good to see you, man, and welcome aboard. How's it going tonight? Yeah, it's going great, Callan. But uh, first, before I get into what I have to say to begin the show, I got to correct you. I'm not doing the show from the Bay Area. I am doing this show tonight from my garage in Mars. I'm experiencing what is life is going to be like in the year 2043 when we are all going to be living on the planet of Mars. I mean, you can just walk outside my house right now. Just look outside. The sky is all red. It looks like I'm living on the red planet. But in all, serious note, uh, all seriousness, though, uh, can't wait to begin the show. Glad that uh, football is back, man. We've got every sport that is going on, MLS, college football, NHL, MLB, NBA, NFL, all happening at once. As a sports fan, this is truly the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, just like that song from Andy Williams, that Christmas song, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And man, who knows? I might have to put up like, like seven TVs in my garage to watch like every single game that's going on. Now, again, folks, on a very serious note here, as Isaiah mentioned in regards to the uh, very disturbing images, folks, you probably have seen them over the past several days, though, mainly throughout uh, Northern California, but also in San Diego. And, uh, folks, in perspective, Isaiah sent us uh, in our group chat on Facebook several photos at like 1030 yesterday morning, folks. And this is the current scene right now in the Bay Area, literally looking like this is the planet Mars, whereas we had... Again, uh, have already said, folks, in regards to the 
the fires burning across all of the state of California. Uh, we've had our own issues here in Southern California, in San Diego, a couple of fires are burning. We've had one very big out of control fire here in San Diego. We know, of course, there's been fires burning too up in the LA area. Of course, uh, our co-host John Mathis of Wild Sports Talk up in the greater LA and Orange County area. And of course, Isaiah and Steven, the rest of the crew for the MI6 Sports Network also up there. So again, folks, uh, all the best to everyone affected by the ongoing uh, fires uh, here across California and for that matter, across the entire U.S. West Coast. Quickly already, some comments from our man, shareable Stephen Wang, uh, behind the scenes as always. How about those Lakers? The, this Chiefs defense, uh, defensive line needs to step it up. They're looking softer or looking softer than Isaiah. <laughs> and also life on Mars is also what he is saying as well. So, of course, uh, Steve behind the scenes. But, of course, folks, producer engineer of the night is me. So that's going to be very fun tonight as we, in fact, roll on here today. So, of course, folks, we thank you for joining us. Now, uh, again, folks, as we had already mentioned as well real quick, but as we already have talked about a couple times here, but as we already have said, but again, folks, a couple of uh, scheduled changes are, in fact, coming to the uh, to the six starting this upcoming Monday, September 14th, as we already have uh, somewhat touched base again uh, tomorrow. Uh, Wild Sports Talk will be back on the air again. We uh, took yesterday off for uh, Trevor and, the, and uh, all of the uh, Ohio State gang to have their uh, the quarantine chat show yesterday. So, folks, that with that in mind, though, uh, we'll have more about this, though, as the uh, next several days go on. Uh, but, folks, starting on Monday. Uh, things are being revamped a little bit here at this time. Uh, so uh, here's a quick rundown real quick for you. In fact, get into our headlines today. But folks, Monday and Wednesday, we'll still remain Wild Sports Talk with myself, Isaiah, and John Mathis. We'll be still on at 7.30 p.m. We made that change recently. Then folks, on Thursdays, we'll be quarantine chats now on Thursdays. And then this program, No BS, will move to Friday. And we'll be on air at 6 p.m. every Friday. And of course, quarantine chats will still be on at 5.30 in the evening West Coast time. And also fan response is being moved from Tuesday to Saturday starting next week. And also, folks, come Tuesday and Sunday, I'll be starting off a brand new late night program for you folks called The Night Shift at 10 p.m. Pacific time starting right here on uh, the 15th for that schedule uh, for, with that show. But again, we'll be, uh, I'll be coming here at about 9.30, 10 o'clock every Tuesday and Sunday to kind of, in a way, recap all the big scores and uh, the big news of the day to kind of set you up for the uh, next day pretty much and uh it'll be probably myself and more than likely isaiah also joining in because he's usually up till about 1 a.m like i am so uh, look for probably a rotating uh group of hosts hosting the uh, the night shift program every so often but think of it pretty much as the svp hosted sports centers what that's going to be come 9 30 and 10 o'clock on tuesdays and sundays and especially folks on sunday when you have to really i think you know dive into all the nfl coverage we'll get all that and have more about that uh, later on. But again, that is the new schedule for us coming up starting on Monday. With that, guys, and Stephen even agrees as well, weekend shows. Got to love it. And uh, having uh, plenty of content for you folks to digest and watch uh, while we're, of course, away from hosting over the course of the weekends. Uh, with that, Trevor, let's dive into the first NFL game of the season. Chiefs and Texans, a rematch of last season's uh, AFC playoffs. Of course, we all know what happened there with the uh, epic comeback by uh, Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. Uh, very interesting uh, seeing this game played. Uh, great job of the KC fans uh, adhering to all the uh, health guidelines. Again, about roughly 17,000 people at Arrowhead tonight for this game. Uh, they're very well spread across all levels of, of the stadium and also the Chiefs right now at this time uh, leading the way right now at the half. Uh, Trevor, what so far in your mind has stood out in this first half between the Texans and also uh, with uh, Kansas City at this time? 
So for the Texans, from what I've seen, like the run game's been pretty dominated. The Chiefs don't really have that good stopping rush defense, but from what I've seen, the Texans are able to move the offense, the move the ball frequently throughout. So that's great, but they need to start opening up the pass game. This game is starting to get out of hand. They're already down by two scores, so it's seventeen to ten. It's seventeen to seven right now at halftime. So they really need to start opening up to the play action since they know the run games there. They can always go back to it when the game's a little bit closer to make a final drive to you know so that Patrick Mahomes doesn't have enough time to go down and score. But obviously, as we've seen, Patrick Mahomes can easily march down this field without a problem. And the Kansas City's passing has been phenomenal. Sammy Watkins, um, Travis Kelsey, and the running back core is just like taking out the Texans defense-wise and just keep marching down this field. It's great for fantasy if you have Patrick Mahomes who are starting tonight. So it was a good start if you didn't. If you didn't start him, there's something wrong with you, but obviously most people end up starting him. He's already passed for about uh, 133 yards, so it's a great night for him so far. He's probably going to end up finishing around probably close to 300, but obviously they may start switching to the run game because the league's already opened up so far. Isaiah, the only guy that I didn't start today so far was David Johnson of the Texans, so I'm kind of, in a way, a bit upset about that, but I do have Mahomes as my starting quarterback in our uh, MI6 Fantasy League. But honestly, though, man, uh, you can definitely tell, though, Isaiah, both teams knocking off the rust in a very, uh, you know, unpredictable, you know, loony year so far for the NFL and for sports in general. And now we again have seen uh, this uh, season get underway again with very weird circumstances. Again, there are fans, folks, at this game, but again, very social distance. Uh, great job of the Chiefs, again, working this out to allow people in for at least the first home game by virtue of them dropping the Super Bowl banner. Isaiah, what probably has stood out in your mind so far for this uh, first half between the Texans and Chiefs right now? Well, I think for me, it's got to be a couple of things. Number one, it's got to be that we've only had two penalties in this entire first half thus far. I thought, honestly, coming into the game, that this game would be really sloppy, just like the first preseason game where you would see like a penalty literally every play but it hasn't been the case you know two penalties in the entire first half is really really good considering the fact that you know no team has had any preseason games to get ready for week one and you know I think Roger Goodell if this game and this week ends up going really well I think they might you know take a look at uh, eliminating the entire preseason because let's say like you know you don't have any rusty football you don't have like penalties per uh, game then what's the need for there to be preseason just do it like this year where you have like uh, just every team have like a month and a half of training camp and then you'll be fine and then they can get ready for the season just like that so that's my number one biggest takeaway from this my uh, second biggest takeaway has got to be what you and trevor just alluded to and that is the texans run game is going really well so far david johnson is looking like uh, the David Johnson from three, four years ago. He's carrying the ball for six times. He's got 42 yards, one touchdown. He's very elusive. He's also contributing uh, in the passing game as well. He's looking phenomenal. And, you know, I've said this, I think it was on Wild Sports Talk last week. I kind of knew coming into this game that the Chiefs' deep. Uh, the defense, especially the run defense, wasn't going to be that good simply because the Niners ran all over them. But, hey, if Kansas City cannot fix their defense, 
I don't honestly believe they're going to go back to the Super Bowl simply because you you can't afford to have teams running for over 200, 300 yards a game on you. You just can't have that for you to uh, go back to the Super Bowl and win. So Kansas City, they got to fix that uh, run defense. And the last thing that I'm really surprised by is I'm surprised by the performance of Chiefs offensive lineman Kalechi Osemele. This guy is a beast, man. He was cut by the New York Jets, I believe, because he had like some uh, sort of medical issue. And he signed with the Kansas City Chiefs on a one-year minimum uh, contract. And he's been a beast. This guy's pushing guys out of the way. He's opening up, opening up like really big holes for the Chiefs running backs to run through. I think this could be a really underrated signing for the Kansas City Chiefs. I definitely think it will be as well. And I think as well, folks, uh, by the way, Christy Wilson writing in, Pat Mahomes has looked good to me in this game. And, you know, Trevor, I think a lot of people were probably very, you know, wondered aloud probably about, okay, how effective though will these quarterbacks and these teams be as we already have touched base, you know, no preseason by virtue of the uh, implications right now with the uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. And how would teams look, though, without playing against another team or without, you know, seeing another ball club on the other side for, you know, an exhibition game but seeing their own teammates pretty much and things of that nature. And so far, Trevor, yes, they're knocking the rust off now. But I think, though, I think a lot of football fans would like to see them knock the rust off week one, week two, and not have, you know, and not have to play four meaningless, game, meaningless games to knock that rust off. Trevor, do you think that Isaiah's on to a good point, though, that I think he honestly is, though, that if, in fact, though, that the NFL does away with the preseason entirety, you know, get rid of all four games, go right into the first game of the year, let them knock the rust off that way. What do you think about that and why? I think it's going to be harder to do that. Yes, removing the preseason is perfect. You get straight into the season and every game starts to matter. But how do you decide to cut certain players if you don't have them in that game time situation and know how they end up managing? So let's say you have a new quarterback. Why would you want to make them suffer week one, week two, week three, and go 0-3 and, and kills their morale when they can go in preseason and play at least two preseason games to get warm up and acclimate to the NFL system against newer guys? And then when you head to week one, you can end up transitioning to your former starter. Or if you want to ride the new, the new quarterback out, he, can, he already has two games of experience versus him going straight into a full-time regular season and it will be very detrimental to his career and being successful on the team. So I think there needs to be at least maybe two preseason games to get um, the draft class acclimated to the NFL before you start throwing them into the season. Isaiah, would you be in favor of a reduced preseason as opposed to getting rid of all four games? I think Trevor, though, was on to a you know, very valid point, though, in regards, though, to, hey, you, know, you kind of, in a way, need some type of way to grade these uh, draft picks and rookies more so than just throwing them into the fire week one, week two. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that four preseason games is way too much. I think two would be enough because, let's face it, nobody watches the final preseason game. Uh, the cuts are pretty much decided at that point, so I don't really think you Isaiah, Christy that. agrees with you. I'm yeah, all yeah, I just don't think you never cared for it. Yeah, you, I just don't think you need, like, the final preseason game. One or two preseason games maybe would be good just for the cuts and stuff like that. But for me, when I'm watching this game right now, I'm just looking like – I'm just looking at it like these two teams look like they are ready. They're put, like uh, they're putting on a really, really good performance right now. It just makes me wonder, like, do we even need a preseason? 
I definitely agree. And I think they'll have, they're probably, I think, fellas, is, you know, arguments made for having a reduced preseason or at least keeping it somewhere in check right now at this time. Isaiah, want to add on? Go for it. Yeah. Um, the, uh, oh, the other uh, thing I wanted to add is I could see why the NFL might want to keep one or two of the preseason games because if you look at uh, this game right now, the Texans' defense, after just two drives, Granted, it was like 99 or 91 yards uh, each of those two drives. They are gassed. So they need uh, probably one or two preseason games to, you know, get their cardio right. But it, other than that, I don't really see the need for any preseason games. Definitely agreed. So, again, folks, do you have any thoughts about the NFL preseason, what the NFL should do after uh, after what we, of course, have seen this year? Again, let us know in the chat box. We'll best get those red live on the air. Uh, and uh, real quick to our man, John Mathis, there are, in fact, fans at the game. Uh, if I did, in fact, miss, uh, uh, misspoke, my apologies. But, in fact, there are fans, folks, at Arrowhead Stadium. But, again, uh, great job by the Chiefs organization to allow them in, but also everyone, for the most part, adhering to social distancing in the stands, masks being worn. So, uh, great job uh, by those fans there. And also, folks, the Hot Takes Challenge rolls on. What is the hotter take tonight? LeBron James, not a top-four player, or Aaron Rodgers, the second-best quarterback in the NFL? The live poll is underway, folks, on the MI6 viewing page on Facebook. Let us know in the comment section and vote in the live poll. The winner moves on to face, uh, I believe that is going to face um, Isaiah in the uh, uh, tournament final sometime very soon. But again, folks, that is where we're at right now with our Hot Takes Challenge. Uh, with that, guys, over in the NBA, uh, epic game last night. Uh, Boston and Toronto, double overtime game. Uh, Chris, you did want to chime in real quick. I would say that Arrowhead is probably at maybe 10 to 15% capacity. I believe the total cap was 25%, but I would probably uh, probably assume, though, or at least, uh, uh, Christy, at least wonder aloud, though, with probably some concerns, though, from folks uh, concerning the virus. It, uh, it is what it is. Uh, but at least, though, that fans are there in some capacity, for the most part, following all guidelines. So props again for the Chiefs for allowing their fans in for their first game of the year. But again, Trev, uh, epic game last night, Boston and the Toronto Raptors. The Celtics uh, faltered last night in double overtime. So we have a 3-3 tie going to a game seven between the Celtics and the Raptors. Uh, Trevor, in your mind, though, is this more so about the Raptors winning these, uh, winning these last two games in your mind or the Celtics blowing the series so far with these back-to-back -back losses? I think we all know that the Raptors were a solid squad going into this playoffs. Like, yes – they won the NBA championship, so like they're defending champs, so they have to have that swagger, that po that poise, and be able to say, "Hey, can we do a back to back without Kawhi and show the league we didn't really need him? He was like that Kindle to the fire to get us really going." So like they're making their own surge. So if they're able to upset Boston, maybe this is going to be a Heat Raptors Eastern Conference Finals that we we're going to enjoy so much. But it could also be a Boston Heat conference. So it's really going to be Really interesting how this game's going to unfold out. But, like, I want to look at, like, the third quarter. The Raptors went on a surge. It was 33-25 within that one quarter compared to, like, the start of the game and all that stuff. So, like, that surge really carried them through the rest of the game. Though they fell a little flat in the fourth and be making it be, like, 17-21. But they showed up in the overtime, and they took care of business at the last moment. So, hey, a win's a win. Can they pull this one through? Maybe. But if they don't fall, they were, they were going to end up falling flat. We don't want that to happen. But I want to make sure it's a thrilling game seven at the end of the day. That's what we want, a thrilling game seven. 
Isaiah, I don't know, man, but there's been something in the water with the NBA postseason uh, down there at Disney World with, again, seeing another series get blown incrementally by a ball club. Uh, Jazz Nuggets went to, went to seven games, and, of course, Utah blew the 3-1 lead. Now, Isaiah, it's the Boston Celtics on the verge of blowing a 3-1 lead. And, you know, I think, though, but Toronto is out to prove a point here. To Trevor's point, I think, Isaiah, they're out here to prove to everybody, hey, we're not slouches. You know, we did win it last year, but now – it's kind of in a way, it reminds me so much, Isaiah, of what happened with the divorce between Kobe and Shaq. Like, Kobe had to work for years to get that first title and to prove everyone wrong that, hey, I can win one without Shaq by my side. So, Isaiah, I think it's kind of in a way like that with the Raptors. They're trying to prove a point that, hey, we can win the, you know, repeat without Kawhi Leonard this year. Um, Isaiah, but first, though, in your, uh, in your mind, is it, more, uh, is it more about the Celtics blowing the series right now or Toronto just stepping up in a big situation the past two nights? I'm going to say it's Toronto stepping up in the big situation because this game, it was the probably the best game of this 2020, uh, 2019 to 2020 NBA season so far. It was up and down. It was a roller coaster ride. You had Boston being up big and then you had Toronto coming back and then you know Toronto took the lead and then Boston would come back and it was just up and down up and down I just think the Raptors refused to go away I think Boston was up late I mean Boston was up eight late in that game and the Raptors just said you know guys we're not gonna we're not gonna quit you know we're not done we're not going home they decided to go on a mission and to force a game seven and I'm just really really proud of the uh, Toronto Raptors and especially Kyle Lowry. This guy put his team on his back when a lot of his teammates were kind of struggling in that game. And he just said, no way are we going home. He willed his team to victory. And now they're going to see another day and see game seven in a game in which I think is going to be a phenomenal game seven. I can't wait for uh, uh, Friday's game seven. So folks, give us your thoughts here. Is this series right now, more about the Celtics blowing a 3-1 lead or the defending champions getting off the canvas and punching back twice. And Christie is on my side of the argument by saying the Raptors are just resilient. And I think it's just because of the fact of, you know, like Ric Flair said, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And Boston beat them three of the four of the four games first. But now you're in a game seven. And of course, Boston looking to, you know, get back to the finals, uh, Eastern Conference finals to face Miami. But again, folks, that is a game seven tomorrow and behind the scenes. From the network, the best moment was when Shaq started rapping, telling Kobe how his ass tasted after he lost the title to the Celtics in 2008. And that was at the probably the climax of that uh, budding rivalry between both teams, uh, or between Kobe and Shaq for, uh, for sure. And Steven is back. He says the defending champs have uh, has no inherent value to it when you lose your best player. I think a lot of people agree, though, that they're playing. And not just that, Trevor. Kyle Lowry and crew is what I'm calling the Raptors. It's between Lowry, it's been uh, Fred Van Fleet, it's been Norm Powell, San Diego boy from Lincoln High School, doing big things in the NBA, and also, of course, Pascal Siakam. Trevor, I guess, you know, how would you describe the Raptors right now? Like, is there really, like, one guy, other than, other than maybe Kyle Lowry, the one guy you probably point to and say, that's the reason why Toronto is back in this series, someone other than Kyle Lowry in your mind? I can't pinpoint anybody. It's like a team effort out there. Like we've seen that in previous years before Kawhi even joined that team. They were playing. They were a solid team. 
winning the East and like they were like the number one or number two seed. So it was just showing that they were a well-oiled machine from start to finish. So it's like it was great coaching. The players were fitting into the roles. So it's like everyone worked together and just gelled. So there's no true, hey, this is the superstar player and this is the reason why they're winning all these games. You can't really say that about the Raptors. And that's what I'm going to end up saying. It's a team effort and that's why they're still into this series. Definitely. So Isaiah, Trevor's going with the team effort more so than someone other than Lowry. Steven is back. He writes in saying, Count, it's e uh, relatively easy to reach the conference final compared to actually winning it all. I think that's definitely on point. But Isaiah, if there, just hypothetically, Isaiah, if there was one player not named Kyle Lowry who you would say or point to say, that guy right there is the reason why the Raptors are in the series, who would it be in your mind other than Lowry and why? I'm like Trevor. I can't really pinpoint one guy simply because, you know, Pascal Siakam, he has struggled in the series and also in the playoffs. Uh, Anobi hit that big time shot. Norman Powell has contributed. Uh, Marcus So, he's doing his thing. Lowry, he's putting up big numbers. I just think for the Raptors, it's a team effort. You know, I liken them to the Golden State Warriors of 2015 when they just they didn't really have a superstar at that time. You know, Stephen Curry, he was a good player, but he wasn't considered a superstar player at that time. He was doing his thing, but it was just a team effort with Klay Thompson chipping in, Draymond Green chipping in, uh, Bogut chipping in on the defensive side of the ball and also setting screens on offense and also making great passes. And then you had Andre Iguodala off the bench chipping in, David Lee chipping in. So I just liken this Raptors team to the 2015 Warriors for their team effort. Definitely team ball for sure. Uh, Trevor, I did want to kind of quickly touch base real quick on the Milwaukee Bucks. Of course, uh, the number one seed uh, sadly knocked out of the postseason by the Miami Heat, who have been absolutely in fuego this entire postseason run. Jimmy Butler and company uh, looking absolutely phenomenal in all the games so far. Uh, Trevor, I think deflating for fans that have probably put money on Lakers Bucks for the finals this year. Uh, I think, though, Trevor, that our fellow host on, on the six, John Mavis, is right. Milwaukee has not looked like they're built for the postseason the past two years. And, of course, losing Giannis uh, in uh, their uh, uh, the game before they uh, took the regs at, of course, big-time blow to that, uh, to that team. Uh, Trevor, I guess, uh, now, of course, the rumor mill begins to turn again. And, you know, is Giannis going to go to the Lakers or go to Golden State, go to, you know, somewhere else and leave Milwaukee? I think his comments may be a bit reassuring. Probably not as of right now if you're a Bucks fan. You don't want to – you really, I think, are dreading this uh, – offseason with Giannis I think though he probably does stay but Trevor with Milwaukee flaming out and being upset in that kind of fashion again losing their star player but again going down in flames to Miami what is the next big step for the Bucks in your mind I think it's definitely someone to come in to either compliment Giannis or Giannis is out the door going somewhere else and probably in a lot of people's minds including the man below us on screen to the Lakers but what do you think and why I'm thinking to try to keep Giannis, you're going to need to either get some star players to give him, like, I guess almost take some of the load off of him. He is basically literally carrying that team from start to finish. But since he has, you know, his injuries, do you want to keep risking him to get injured later into, like, next season if he doesn't heal properly? So, like, the Bucks are going to end up having to, you know, figure out which way – they want Giannis to go. Obviously, I have a feeling he's probably going to end up leaving. But at the same time, do teams want to deal with injury 
I understand the Brooklyn Nets at the time they took an injured KD and now they rested him and now they have a potential to end up almost running the East. So if they can able to convince Giannis to, you know, go to Brooklyn, now you have a new super team in the East and it's possible for them to win like two, maybe three championships with the star power they have. And with the coach of Steve Nash, you have a force to be reckoned with in the East if, if Giannis decides to go with that route. By the way, Trev, Stephen wanted to rain on your uh, your prey, but he is not going to Orlando. Stephen, you don't believe in my Orlando magic. One day it could happen. They could get us a, a star talent to come down there, and they could win a title with all those star players that they could have one day. So maybe Giannis goes to Orlando, but Isaiah, I mean, I honestly don't see Giannis leaving because I think the last thing a player on a team like the Bucks wants to do or a team like a Milwaukee or even a Orlando or a Brooklyn wants to do especially in my in my opinion in Milwaukee a, a city starving for a championship Brewers have not been have not won anything in their time being in Major League Baseball the Bucks haven't won a title since 1972 when they had Kareem or Lou Alcindor I should say and Oscar Robert, uh, Robinson uh, you know uh, Wisconsin football and basketball are always good but that the last thing I think star players want to do is leave a market or a city like Milwaukee even like San Diego a city that's been looking for a winning way or a winner in 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 uh in sports and they don't want to kind of be that person to come back and be a villain like lebron did when he first left uh cleveland for miami that first time isaiah going forward though minus Giannis, what's the biggest number one thing milwaukee has to do to for one probably retain Giannis, but also get this team probably where they want to go much the nba finals i know that this probably won't happen but i'm gonna throw something out there i think that the Milwaukee Bucks, honestly, should fire head coach Mike Budenhoser. And it's not because Budenhoser's not a good coach. It's because I just think that Budenhoser is a great regular season coach. But as you can see time and time again in his entire coaching tenure, he just can't get it done in the playoffs. He's led his teams in the past, like the Hawks, to great regular seasons. But in, in the playoffs, his teams always choke. Just look what the Hawks did against uh, the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, I know they had LeBron and stuff, but come on, you had the best team in the Eastern Conference and you couldn't get it done. And last year, Mike Budenhoser led the Milwaukee Bucks to the best record in the NBA. And what happened? They had a 2-0 lead against Kawhi Leonard and a bunch of guys that at that time weren't really um, at the level that they are right now. Mike Budenhoser with a 2-0 lead, they choke it when the Raptors decide to start uh, putting Kawhi on Giannis and just focusing all their defensive attention to Giannis. And Mike Budenhoser just couldn't adjust. And the same thing in this series. You know, the Heat put all their defensive attention on Giannis and Mike Budenhoser, same thing like last year. He couldn't adjust. So I just don't think Budenhoser's system works in the playoffs and he just doesn't know how to adjust. So if I'm Milwaukee, um, I would honestly fire Mike Budenhoser and I would try to go get a guy like a Billy Donovan because if you bring Billy Donovan in, you might be able to bring a Chris Paul from Oklahoma City because we know that uh, Chris Paul loves uh, playing for Billy Donovan. So if you bring Chris Paul in, who knows, you might be able to get a better team around Giannis with Chris Paul than with guys like an Eric Bledsoe.
I think it's a fair point, honestly, in regards that, you know, we've seen boot and holes uh, or fellas, you know, really, I think, crack under pressure. Christy says, though, a very good defensive player is what they also need. And they also need someone who can take uh, some of the scoring off of Giannis. Definitely, I think, for sure, because I think, Trevor, we've seen it plenty of times, man. One man shows, man, usually get beat up very much in pro sports. Oh, if we're talking about one man sports, oh, this is one for Isaiah. Devin Booker in the bubble. The man went off. So I'm just going to put that out there. Yes, a one-man show can be done, but can't be sustained a whole season due to low management. So if it's for a short time span, yes, a one-man show can be done. But for an entire season or an entire postseason, you can't win a title like that. It's just near impossible. And especially if that star player is also getting hurt as well. And I think, I think as well, though, I think, though, Trav Isaiah's on to a good point, though, that a lot of teams, though, might be a little bit scared, honestly, about probably trying to lure Giannis because, as mentioned, injury history does sometimes play a factor into guys going elsewhere. Isaiah, we'll start with you, though, about the next NBA story again, folks. That is the uh, very interesting news out of Oklahoma City uh, involving uh, Billy Donovan and the Thunder mutually agreeing to part ways uh, per a couple of reports that were confirmed over the past several days. Uh, this is by virtue of the expired contract that Donovan was working with and also uh, just a pretty much mutual option to uh, part ways per the reports. Um, Isaiah, I found this to be very interesting, very puzzling and a little bit confusing as to what would, you know, what was the problem or the reason behind Donovan wanting to leave. I know about the contract situation, but I think though, Isaiah, like I said though, a couple days ago in the, uh, on my morning stream on the quarantine network is um, I feel like that Benny, uh, that Billy Donovan was one of the very rare college coaches who made that leap from college basketball to the pros and didn't have any problems or issues. Yeah, probably a couple bad years, though, but didn't have problems, I think, or, or lasted, I think, longer, probably. I might be wrong, though, but longer than John Calipari and longer than Rick Patino so far that I can recall, at least, uh, jumping from the pros to the college. There's, there's maybe been some talk about him going back to the college level. Um, at this time, Isaiah, what are your thoughts, though, about this? Is it more so confusing? Is it puzzling? Is it interesting? Or is it baffling to see this move done by the Thunder and by Coach Billy Donovan? What do you think? All right. So when I first in well, when I first in saw the news, I was stunned and flabbergasted by the news, just like you were, Callan, because Billy Donovan was a great coach for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Billy Donovan went 243 and 157 as the head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder. And he also led the Thunder to the postseason in all of his five seasons there. And, you know, I believe that this year he did his best job of his entire coaching career when he led the Oklahoma City Thunder, a team that in the offseason had traded all of its star players away and was looking to embark on a massive rebuild to the fourth best record in a loaded Western Conference and to Game 7 against the mighty Houston Rockets. I thought he did a phenomenal job, and I thought that he would definitely be brought back 100%. But after the initial shock upon receiving the news, I sat back and let it marinate for a bit, and I came to this conclusion. I believe that this was honestly a, a true mutual parting of ways this move by oklahoma city i believe signifies that they are about to embark on a massive rebuild and that their players are uh, the veteran players i mean the likes of danilo gallinari and chris paul aren't going to be back with the team next year and also billy donovan i just believe just looked at it and said 
I didn't come into the NBA to lose and to rebuild after an extremely successful run at Florida. I think Billy Donovan wants to win. And unfortunately, Oklahoma City ain't going to be able to provide him with a team that is going to win in the nearby future. So I think that uh, it was a true mutual parting of ways. I think that Billy is the one that just said he didn't want to be there because he wants to win. And uh, I think, honestly, Billy is going to be fine. He's going to... Uh, have the pick of the litter, whether it's in the NBA or whether he goes back to college. I personally want him to go to New Orleans because I think New Orleans right now, they are a young, athletic, up-and-coming team with players like Zion Williamson, uh, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart. And, you know, as we saw this year, Billy Donovan, he is very, very good working with young players. He did a phenomenal job this year working with that young Thunder team, and he took them to the uh, fourth best record in the loaded Western Conference. And I believe that with this Pelicans roster, I think Billy Donovan can do a great job with this team and probably lead them uh, to great heights in the Western Conference. So, Trevor, Isaiah has Donovan going from unemployed to New Orleans to take over for the Pelicans position. I know that the Pelicans, the Pacers, and the Sixers were like the top three teams on my list for Donovan to go to after his time in Oklahoma City. But Trevor, uh, along with your thoughts about where he probably goes, though, uh, your reaction to that news again, is it puzzling, confusing, interesting, head-scratching, mind-boggling, mind-blown explosion? Uh, But your thoughts about Donovan and the Thunder parting ways after his tenure with OKC? I'm looking back off like the Thunder's playoff history from the time he was in coaching so from 2015 2016 he got to the conference finals loses to a golden state team who was literally a super team like you can't do that as a coach like it's gonna happen when you face a super team no matter what players you end up having if you don't have other superstars you can't beat a super team easy said than done but like from there on his playoff records hasn't really been great he's been stopped in the first round he go he loses one to four against the rockets in 2016 2017 2018, he loses to the Jazz 2-4, then to the Trails Blazers 1-4. Now he gets to a Game 7 against the Rockets. Like It was like almost like this was like his pinnacle. Be like, oh, he's going to get us to pass the first round, get us to the conference semifinals, and we can you know, make a run in the playoffs. But that just hasn't happened yet. So it's a little bit weird to say what does he need to do to get over that you know, opening round hump. But I think if he was able to win this, like, you know, beat the Rockets with James Harden and Russell Westbrook, I think he'd probably still have a job at this point in OKC because, like, it's progress. We're getting closer to where we once were in 2015. But I think at the same time, this was, like, almost like the straw that broke the camel's back, saying you can't get us past the first round. I think you either need to get us more talent or I think you need to find a new coaching gig for teams that are trying to look to get into the first round. If you're looking to get in the first round, I think – he would be a great coach to do that, to set up a team to build a nice roster around to get you into that first-round spot. That being said, uh, said Trevor, where do you think is his best landing spot in your mind, the Sixers, the Pacers, or the Pelicans? I'm going to have to agree with Isaiah. The Pelicans are the best spot, young talent. They're probably going to get some more young talent in the draft. So he can build this team up, and it's possible to make this team to look like the Toronto Raptors to be like there's enough superstars around or enough role players around to build a solid squad around. But at the same time, like they have young talent. They have Luonzo Ball, Zion. So like they have pieces together. They just need a coach. 
to be like, hey, let's put all the pieces we have together. It's like I'm going to, you know, stick with what we have in food wise. It's like making stew. If you can be brew the right stew, you have a team that's going to make everything great. So if you have the right stew, life is going to be great in your end. And Christy agrees with all of us in favor of him going to New Orleans. Makes sense to me. Makes sense to me, though, as well, for it being somewhat of that, like that college atmosphere by virtue of, you know, a lot of young kids. Donovan can relate to those young kids like the Williams, the like Zion, Lonzo, Josh Hart, uh, Brandon Ingram and all that. Isaiah wants to make a point. Go for it, bud. What is it? Trevor, I got to give you a round of applause, man. We thought that the, uh, the food streak on this show had ended uh, with no food today, but you had somehow, someway, man, had to bring up stew when talking about Billy Donovan. I mean, bravo, man, bravo. The streak continues. The beat rolls on, folks, with us bringing up food on the program. A quick game break for, uh, game break for you folks. 24-7 to in favor of Kansas City with two minutes left in the third quarter of play from Arrowhead in Kansas City, Missouri, not Kansas City, Kansas. The soccer team plays in Kansas, not the uh, Chiefs and Royals. They all play in Missouri. With that, guys, uh, speaking of baseball, but a very interesting story I broke today. Uh, on my morning program, but via uh, gentlemen, via Bob Nightingale of USA Today, rumor mill again of baseball playing the playoffs in a bubble environment. And per Bob Nightingale's reporting, fellas, the first round, which would in fact be the wild card round, best two out of three, no buys given out this year for uh, either of the top seeds. It's one through eight, two, seven, three, six, four, five, all that good stuff. But the first round, wild card round, two out of three will be played at the higher seeded team's home ballpark. Then it gets interesting. The American League bubbles would take place in Los Angeles and San Diego, while the National League bubble would be held in Houston and in Arlington. That would include the uh, LCS for the um, National League. Uh, and also the World Series would be played at the brand new Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas. Trevor, I said this morning, man, that I'm glad that baseball kept this plan in a in case of emergency break glass in regards to they didn't throw it away they didn't burn it they didn't do any of that sort of stuff they kept the plan close and now i think though have it right an al bubble in two markets in, in southern california and a nl bubble in two markets in texas to i think totally get rid of any type of hometown or home field advantage minus that first round i think that's the perfect way to do this uh so trevor again uh, give us your thoughts baseball in the bubble again al bubble in southern california uh, NL bubble in Texas, uh, wild card round games being played in home ballparks. Uh, I think that baseball, I think Trevor probably got this, uh, this one right. And we'll see how the, uh, votes go and stuff like that. But what do you think about this? I think this is a great start. Cause like, obviously the first round is kind of hard to bubble all those teams. So playing at the respective higher seats, home field makes sense. So kudos to them getting that right. And moving the teams, once you narrow that down to respective areas, Perfect bubble scenario. Obviously, I think the playoffs are going to happen around like October. So that's prime cold and flu season. So if you're able to get, keep those players into a bubble format, it eliminates the potential risk of like thinking they may have the coronavirus versus to be a simple common cold. So I think they finally knocked this thing right. You can almost say they knocked it right out of the park. So I'm using my baseball puns right there. But I like it. I can't wait to see what this thing turns out to be how many like cases they end up getting to be hoping it's zero 
And it's just going to prove to people saying, hey, bubbles work no matter what you end up doing at any point in time. A bubble is a safe environment for this times that we are in. Isaiah, I know that already there's been a bit of pushback, mainly from the Los Angeles Dodgers and their player rep, Justin Turner, who said that they don't want to, you know, already stop what they've been doing in regards to going home after games and they don't want to be concealed to that bubble. But in Trevor's case, to probably one up or two up his baseball puns, it might be time for probably the biggest sacrifice bunt or sacrifice fly to be hit by baseball players to sacrifice the family time. Because let's not also forget, though, too, fellas, like I said this morning, there's a $50 million. There's there's $50 million being poured into a swimming pool for all the players that make the postseason. I think you can easily drop the sack bunt, hit the sack fly, go away from your family for a bit. Because I, as I said, Isaiah, forget about the TV revenue for a second and for all the lost revenue that, revenue that baseball has lost this year. Baseball cannot afford to have an outbreak happen during the playoffs. We're already on a very stringent and very condensed and you know boxed-in time frame that baseball, I think, has to do this. There's no exception, no loopholes, no excuses that I think that players have to pretty much just, you know, suck it up and go and play in a bubble. But Isaiah, what do you make, though, about baseball? Bringing this plan back that I said that could have been used back in March, but at least, though, they kept it close by, and now it's probably right now in the works for a bubble for the uh, Major League Baseball postseason party. I love this plan. You know, I love this plan simply because – uh, you know, when I first heard about this plan, my first thought was if you win your division, then there's really uh, no no prize for you to get when you win your division. But now all the uh, first round wild card uh, games, uh, you all those three games will be played at the home ballpark. So you get uh, that prize for winning your division. And then like just like Trevor said, you need to have a bubble uh, for the baseball postseason to happen in October because it's code and flu season. So if you don't have a bubble and you have to travel in, in, like everywhere, you're more likely to get sick. So you have to have that bubble in place. So I really like it. Um, you know, I commend Rob Manfred, Tony Clark, and baseball for making this happen. Uh, I really, really want to see a baseball playoffs this year. And, you know, for the players, I think they should honestly just suck it up and just uh, do this bubble. Because, first of all, you're getting to play the game that you love. Secondly, like about the whole thing about you can't be with your families. You know, there's FaceTime, there's Skype, there's Zoom. You can, you don't like, you're, you're not going to be able to see your family like face to face, but you're going to be able to see them, you know, on FaceTime or Zoom or Skype. And the third thing is like, you, if you don't play the playoffs, not only are you going to lose hella money, but baseball in general are going to lose hella money because from all, from all the TV contracts in the playoffs, they are worth $700 million. If they don't get that money, you're not going to get paid uh, next season and also the uh, following years and beyond. So you, this playoffs is very vital to the survival of baseball. So baseball players need to suck it up. They need to just go down to the bubble and just play baseball in that bubble. Trevor, I think Isaiah is right, though, because I think that ESPN.com had a, a put a bit of a uh, disclaimer, or I think the article had said that there was a uh, that ESPN officials told Bob Nightingale in USA Today that they'd be losing out on $757 million of television revenue by virtue of there being no baseball season for the missed time as well, though, with the uh, pandemic from March till uh, late July. 
Uh, but Trevor, though, in your mind, though, is Isaiah Reichel that pretty much this might be a time that we're – and I think, though, uh, Trevor, for baseball players skeptical or upset about the whole thing, the NBA, no positive test in several weeks. The NHL, no positive test in over six weeks playing in the bubble. Now, of course, they have moved the Eastern Conference teams uh, to the bubble now in Vancouver. Uh, now they're playing the uh, conference finals all in Vancouver. Not in Vancouver. Edmonton, I should say. I keep getting Vancouver and, and uh Edmonton screwed up because they both play at a, at a arena named for Rogers wireless up there. And even major league soccer. Yes. MLS had two, uh, two teams leave the tournament because of, of COVID tests, but Trevor it's been proven already by, by pretty much three sports leagues. Actually, I would throw four in there with the WNBA. The bubbles have worked so far. Why, why does baseball have to be so different from every, from everybody else when it comes for the, uh, comes around for the playoffs? I guess they just want to be something different to say, Hey, we, if we're not in a bubble scenario, I think life will be okay. It's like, I think they're trying to be like the proving grounds for the NFL teams where you can be like, oh, you can play your playoffs at your respective, your, your normal, you know, let's say the Kansas City Chiefs end up playing, you know, the Texans again in the playoffs. Like they can easily go to, you know, Arrowhead again. And then, you know, the next games after that. So there's would be no bubble required and all that stuff. So like, they're just trying to make like as prove a point, be like saying you don't need a bubble to still get a season done. But at the same time, you're still getting cases. Players weren't following the rules. So it made things a whole lot harder for you. And now you're resorting to a bubble. And it's just going to – it shows that you're trying to save your money at this point. You're going to a bubble and trying to say, oh, I guess what we had originally didn't work out and could have cost us an entire season and loads of money. But let's make sure we can save what we can and put all of our playoffs into a bubble just to make sure we have a season to complete. Isaiah, I think right now, buddy, in my mind, that there's going to be a bit of, you know, you know, blowback or pushback on this. But I think that as more time goes on, players will probably come to the realization they have to do this. Because, again, like I said, I think they also know as well, I oh, they're not that stupid. I mean, they're I mean, you know, they're not that stupid. But it's, but at the same time, it's almost like, you know, the NBA's done it. The NHL's done it. Nothing big has come out of it, though. Uh, Isaiah, even though there might be some initial blowback to this, do you think that as more time goes on, that player that players will will finally embrace the idea of baseball going to a bubble system? I think they will because they know the threat of not playing a playoff this season, and they know that they will lose a lot of money. And the players, you know, when you throw those dollar bills in front of them, they will make it work. So I just think that. Uh, over time, I think they will end up agreeing to it simply because they don't want to lose uh, the first the $50 million uh, playoff pool. And also, they know that if they don't play, the contracts, who, uh, who knows, a lot of them are probably going to get cut because teams are not going to be able to pay them the money without the playoff uh, revenue from the TV. So again, folks, baseball pondering a possible bubble for their postseason party this year by virtue of of uh, a uh, article posted from USA Today's Bob Nightingale. The first round, the wild card round, best two out of three, would be played at the higher seeds home ballpark. Then the American League of uh, the AL bubble would be played in either Los Angeles or in San Diego with the NL bubble being played in Houston. And in Arlington, Texas, the World Series would also be played in Arlington as well. And Christy agrees, gents. She says the players must uh, need to see the benefits of playing in the bubble or a bubble environment across the board. With that, Isaiah wants to talk about the swing and A's beaten up on the Houston Astros this past week of four of winning four of the five games played in that very 
Very weird for a uh, five-game set due to, again, a game that I believe was moved due to the hurricane back in Houston. Uh, Isaiah, that victory, by the way, for the A's uh, gives them a uh, the biggest lead in the entire major leagues for games ahead. They are now six and a half games ahead of Houston. In the clear, probably going to clinch the division title very, very shortly. Isaiah, how big of a weekend do you think this was for the A's in your mind? It was a huge week uh, because the A's sent a – or they knocked out the Astros from the division race. They're up six and a half games right now with 18 games left to play. The division race is pretty much over. The Astros, you know, as we speak, they are just struggling, whether it's injuries or, you know, guys in their uh, rotation and their bullpen not being able to command the strike zone and giving up a lot of runs. So the Astros are struggling mightily. Plus, they got to play uh, – Jonathan Mathis' Dodgers this upcoming Saturday and Sunday at Dodger Stadium. So if they lose those two games and the A's, who have a very winnable uh, four-game set coming up against the Texas Rangers, that lead will probably increase to eight and a half games uh, with about 16 games left. So this was a knockout blow. The division is uh, the A's. Uh, the A's are, are probably like – now they need to focus on trying to clinch the either the first or the second seed in uh, the base uh, in the American League because if they can get either the one or the two seed and play like one of the uh, garbage teams that end up making the playoffs as the seventh or eighth seed, that's going to really benefit the A's uh, instead of having to face a team like the um, like the Yankees or uh, even the uh, Chicago White Sox. So, again, folks, huge series for the Oakland A's, who, again, grow a six-and-a-half-game lead in the divisional race uh, between them and the Houston Astros. Uh, real quick, folks, I'm going to pull up real quick, for those of you that are curious real quick, uh, the current standings. Now, again, folks, as a reminder, this is, a, uh, as mentioned, a expanded postseason field this year for Major League Baseball due to, again, the very uh, uh, cautious optimism being played here by Major League Baseball. But again, the top eight teams in each league now will make out the postseason field one versus eight, two versus seven, so on and so forth. As you see right now in the uh, uh, the NBA postseason right now with uh, how they operate right now with 16 teams qualifying for the major uh, for uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, but also, again, there's a lot of uh, very interesting loopholes in place by virtue, as we have said, though, again, some teams have not played a full 40 games uh, or 60 games or whatnot right now. If the playoffs started today, in the National League, at least, the Dodgers would face the Marlins, one versus eight. The Braves would face the Giants, two versus seven. The Cubs would then face the Cardinals, three versus six. And Isaiah, what do you know? The four-seed Padres play the five-seed Phillies right now, uh, wild-card team two, or the uh, wild, uh, the West two versus the uh, Eastern, uh, the East two. And then out in the uh, AL, Rays-Yankees, A's would face Minnesota in round one. White Sox, Astros, Indians, Blue Jays in the top eight standings right here and right now. As we do, in fact, folks, welcome on a special guest on to the program. Hello, Stephen. How's it going, man? Good to see you. <laughs> Stephen popping in real quick uh, to uh, hang out with us here. And uh, we'll check back with him in just a moment. As uh, Stephen coming in, I believe, to help us announce the... Uh, uh, final matchup of our final round here for the uh, Hot Takes Challenge. Uh, Steven, can you hear us, buddy? Yes, I can, sir. What's up? How are we doing, man? Good to see you. 
Hey, all I got to say, man, is you got to stop disrespecting the king. Every single year they're saying he's not number one or he's not number two. He's second place to Kawhi, KD, Curry. I don't want to hear it anymore. And Daniel Bryan doesn't want to hear it either. When it comes to Ryan's preposterous take, facing up against Isaiah's take, it is a perfect, perfect ending to this bracket. And let's roll the tape, guys. Yes! 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 Yes, 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 indeed. And I'm out with that. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. Daniel Bryan, welcome to the MI6 Sports Network, man. I love it. And uh, I know that uh, uh, Stephen and I are working on a new or other sound effect as well eventually for uh, more uh, looniness here on the program. But Stephen wanted to come in and just say his piece about the King and about LeBron James as the Lakers win uh, to go up three games to one now on the uh, San Diego slash Houston Rockets now. Uh, with that, guys, we are now going to move into a brand spanking new segment at the request of Mr. Isaiah Leung. Folks, we present to you tonight for the first time, it is our Pigskin Pick'em, where we have... Yes! 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 Where we have ourselves... Uh, let's see. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three. One, two, three, four. Uh, four games on the schedule that we will pick and choose winners from. Uh, with that in mind, Isaiah, we'll start with you. For uh, With this, folks, it'll be two pro games and two college games. And we'll, I guess, uh, work on the records later. Um, Isaiah, we'll go to you first uh, with the first college game that we have on the uh, rundown here. Syracuse at UNC. What do you got for us? I'm going to go with UNC because North Carolina is at home. Syracuse, a lot of their players opted out because of COVID-19 concerns. So their team is uh, not going to be uh, their normal team. Their UNC's quarterback, Sam Howell, uh, last year had a phenomenal freshman year. He threw for 3,641 yards, 38 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He was terrific. Um, if it was a normal season, he'd probably be vying for the Heisman Trophy. Uh, UNC, they have a roster loaded with talent and loaded with a lot of experience. Mac Brown is doing a fabulous job in his return to North Carolina. Given all that and also the fact that North Carolina is at home, I'm going to take North Carolina to beat Syracuse on Saturday. All right, Trev, one vote for the Tar Heels. How about you, Syracuse or UNC? Looking at these two teams and what has happened in the past, let's say, three to four years, Syracuse was the team to upset Clemson two times. But North Carolina last year was able – almost able to beat Clemson and that Clemson team ended up going to the national championship game. Keep in mind in that game, they went for two to try to end the game, but they end up running the option and it got stopped and they end up losing that game. But based on the edge and basing off last year's record, I'm going to have to go with North Carolina on this one based on their chance of them beating Clemson last year. I'm also as well going with the Tar Heels as well. They're at home. If this game was at the Carrier uh, at the Carrier Dome with maybe at least some people in the stands, maybe. But UNC, I think, gets my vote for the first game of our Pickskin Pick'em, our brand new seminar here on No BS. With that, Isaiah, next game, Yellow Jackets at Seminoles. What do you got? Uh, ooh, this is a tough one because 
you know, Georgia Tech, they have a new coach this season. They're not going to be running their uh, normal uh, triple option offense that they ran for a long, long time. So they are breaking from tradition. Florida State, they have a new coach as well. Their program has been down for a long, long time. I'm going to go with Florida State simply because they're at home. Um, I just don't think, you know, without any uh, when, or not without any training camp, but with a condensed training camp, Georgia Tech doesn't really have that much time to install and put together their new offense that they're running. So I don't think they're going to be in sync for game one. I just think with Florida State at home and Mike Norvell, a veteran coach that knows what he's doing and Florida State having better talent than Georgia Tech, I think FSU pulls it out at home. I got three words for you. You like that? <laughs> oh, there it is. The brand new sound effects I was talking about. Kirk Cousins saying, you like that? That's exactly what we're doing. So that is where we're at right here and right now for sure. Uh, so, Trev, one vote for the Florida State Seminoles to win the ball game over Georgia Tech. How about you? I was going to be optimistic and say Georgia Tech, but then I started looking at their record last season. And my God, they were terrible on the road. They were one for four. So there goes my pick on that. So I'm going to go with Florida State. And they have an impressive home record. They were five and two at home. So I think they're going to be able to continue that streak. So that's why I'm going to go with Florida State on this pick. I'll go Florida State, too, playing at home in Tallahassee. Again, probably not going to be a lot of fans there, but I think that Florida State is bound to at least get back on track. I think the Georgia Tech keeps this game close, but I'll still go with Florida State at home. With that, gents, to the NFL, Trevor Overdy to start first. Probably the best game of the week. Tampa Bay at New Orleans at the Superdome. Who you got? Well, what I'm going to end up saying, I'm going to trust in Drew Brees and the Saints. The reason is Tom Brady's in a new system and he's trying to get acclimated to all of his weapons. Yes, he has Gronk, but Gronk is not the same Gronk that we all think he is. He has digressed for a year. He has not suited up, and he hasn't played. So his big beefiness is not what it used to be. He maybe slimmed down a little bit. Obviously, he still has the same – like he may have a little less power, but he's still powerful. But that's only Tom Brady's go-to wide receiver. When things get stressful, is he going to be over-liable like last time? I don't really think so. Maybe later in the season when we see this matchup again, I could probably lean more towards Tampa since Drew Brees is no, since Tom Brady is more acclimated to the team, and then he'll be able to beat the Saints later on in the season. But his first game, Tom Brady has a lot of things to get under his belt. Though he's a veteran quarterback, it's just a new system, and he hasn't been used to that at all in his career. That's where I'm going to go with Drew Brees and the Saints on this one. All right, Isaiah, one vote for the Saints at home. Again, they play very well at the Superdome in New Orleans. How about you, Tampa Bay or, or uh, New Orleans? I think this game is going to be a shootout. I think you're going to have touchdowns coming left and right. Uh, I think that, you know, Brady and Breeze will have great, great days. And we're, I'm, I think we're going to see like a 48-45 to 45 game. So if you have any Saints or any Buccaneers players on your fantasy team, Start them because, come on, man, there's not going to be any defense. It's just going to be uh, guys throwing the football up and down the field. I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to pull this one out in a last-second field goal. I think that Tom Brady, he's one of the most clutchest quarterbacks I've ever seen. I think this is going to come down to the wire, and Ryan Suckup, their new kicker, is going to knock in a field goal 
at the buzzer to walk it off for Tampa. All right, so we're split right now, but I'm going to go with Trevor with the Saints because, for one, they're at home, and they always play great at the Superdome with fans, no fans or whatnot, but also, again, same factors as Trevor said, though, Tom Brady, quarterback in a new place, new coach, new philosophy, new system in place. And again, like I've said, though, teams that do this sort of thing, that get a big-name player for the first time or get a big-name star like Brady and even with Gronk, doesn't work right away. I think it's going to be a great game, though. Probably boils down to a, a field goal from uh, Justin Lutz or from Suckup or who knows if I think that the Saints win it, though, because, again, they're at home and they play very extremely well at the Superdome. And finally, Trevor, for the Pigskin Pick'em for Week 1, Seattle visiting Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. What, uh, who do you got for this one? We're going to trust in the wheels of Russell Wilson. The Seattle Seahawks are just going to be the team that are, I think in my eyes are the dark horse in the NFC in, the NFC in general. Because, like, yes, they're in a tough division. They're going up against the 49ers. They're going up against the Rams and the Cardinals, st all stacked opponents. And Russell Wilson, year after year, keeps getting in the wild card spot. So Russell Wilson will continue to cruise on through. I understand Matty Ice has a few new weapons this year, but he has not utilized Julio Jones last year well. It literally took him to week seven before Julio Jones could score his first touchdown of that season. You have this weapon, and you have not let him touch the ball in the end zone for that long. That just shows you that the Falcons are missing out on something great. If, they, if he does not hit Julio Jones in this game, it's going to be over, and that's why the Russell Wilson will be able to capitalize in this game. It's going to be a close game, but I think Russell Wilson will be able to pull it out because he's always phenomenal in those close games like that. So, Isaiah, one vote for the Seahawks on the road to take down the Falcons at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. What say you? Callan, get that shock <laughs> gif ready. I am going to buck the trend. I am rolling with Matty Ice and the Atlanta Falcons. And the, the reason being is because the Seahawks always tend to struggle early in the year before they pick it up in the middle of the season and then go on that run. Dan Quinn is on the hot seat. The Falcons need to get off to a a quick start or else Dan Quinn is going to be out of a job. So they need to play with some urgency. Seattle's defense last year was one of the worst pass rushing defenses in the NFL. And that was with Jadeveon Clowney on their team. Jadeveon Clowney is no longer a Seattle Seahawks. So I believe they're going to be even worse in pass rushing. And I think that if you're going to let Matty Ice just stand in the pocket for like five, six, seven, eight seconds, you're going to be in a whole heap of trouble all day long. And I believe that the Atlanta Falcons go in. It's at home. They're going to win this game. I'm going to give a score of 30 to 21. I'm going to go with Seattle on the road. I know that Russell Wilson, the Seahawks struggle maybe in the first part of it, but again, Atlanta, you know, coach, uh, you know, probably a lame duck coach right now in Dan Quinn. I know Matt Ryan's still the quarterback, but a lot of gaping holes still other than Todd Gurley and Julio Jones. Not sure if there's any other options on offense that can help supplement Matt Ryan and what he needs. So I'll go, I'll go with the Seahawks on the road to take the first game of the year. And with that, folks, that is our first edition of Pigskin Pick'em. We'll do it again here next week when we, in fact, pick two college games and two pro games over the course of the weekend. With that, guys, it's now time for tonight's Power Five.
Power five time here, folks, on season two, episode seven on the MI6 Sports Network. Uh, with that tonight, folks, it is our power five for bold predictions for the upcoming 2020 NFL season as we again have the first game of the year underway and still going on between Houston and Kansas City. With that, Trevor, we shall start with you for your uh, power five or your uh, bold predictions for the upcoming season. Go for it. I can't wait for this. I'll just say they get worse as I get to number one. So number five, the Saints will finally beat the Vikings in the playoffs. It's going to happen. People are going to be. People are going to be happy. It's going to be done deal. No calls, no ref issues. It's going to happen. Drew Brees will get through the Vikings and something magical is going to happen this season on that. My, my fourth pick will be Josh Allen reaches the AFC Championship game. Yes, it's going to happen. He's going he's gonna to lose that game, but I think he's going to have enough willpower to muscle through the next rounds that he has to do and get there, and the Bill fans are going to be happy, and then he's going to suck in the AFC Championship game because he doesn't know how to close out games. That's why I have that as my fourth bold prediction. Number three. It's Dak Prescott winning the passing title with the quarterback situation. I think he's going to have enough weapons to do it. He has Amari Cooper, he has Ezekiel Elliott, and he has CeeDee Lamb. So he has all these weapons to get his passing yards up. So I think he's going to be able to win the passing title this year. So that seems like a reasonable pick. My second one is to win the rushing title is Saquon Barkley. It's a bit of a stretch, but we've seen this when running backs get to the second or third year. They have to get over the hump. Um, Ezekiel Elliott was able to do it in his second year, so I think Saquon Barkley, if he stays healthy, I think he will be able to win the rushing title based on the Giants' offensive scheme, and he's the only true super weapon. And number one is the one that will make you guys leave the set is Baker Mayfield will win league MVP. <laughs> it is. Like, I see what? Yes. Hear me out on this. Hear me out on this. <laughs> he has all these weapons. It's his second year. He has a lot to prove. He has Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, and Odell Beckham Jr. If he's able to use those weapons wisely, I can't, like, no quarterback, if any quarterback was in that position, I think you would be able to win league MVP with all that talent around you. And that's why I say if he can get his act together, he can win league MVP. So Christy's walked off the set at her house because <laughs> of Trevor. And also she says uh, she'll go with the Cowboys winning the first Super Bowl. And Dak wins league MVP for her bold prediction. Nicely done. Uh, with that, uh, Isaiah, how about you for your bold predictions for the NFL season? All right, I just got to give you guys all a warning. Who knows? Maybe after each one of these predictions, you all might walk off the set. But uh, so number five, 
I'll go down from five all the way to one. Five being not really that bold. One being the boldest of them all. But number five is this guy right here. Jimmy Garoppolo will prove all of his haters wrong. And the 49ers will get revenge and defeat Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City to win their sixth Lombardi trophy. That's my number five. Uh, number four. Ooh, I got to go with this. I was deliberating on this one for a long time today, but Sean McVay, the boy wonder of the NFL coaching world, will be fired at the end of this season. And the reason being is, Listen, the Rams just opened a new stadium. It's Los Angeles. They want urgency to win. Sean McVay, last year, the Rams finished, I believe, in fourth place. Come on. That's, if, if you're not going to be able to do that in Los Angeles and last very long as the head coach. So another last place finish. I think Sean McVay will be out. Um, number three, the Detroit Lions will trade – Quarterback Matthew Stafford midseason to the New England Patriots. Matthew Stafford will be Tom Brady's successor in New England. The reason why I think this will happen is because Matt Patricia, the current coach of the New England Patriots, worked under Bill Belichick for so many years. Uh, I think the Lions are not going to get off to a good start. I think the Lions are going to be struggling early. They're going to start selling off pieces near the trade deadline. And I believe that Matthew Stafford will be going to New England. Number two, listen, I if you guys tuned in a wild sports talk on uh, Monday, you would have heard my bold prediction, which was the Denver Broncos would win the AFC West. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to put that on the list because I already said that uh, on wild sports talk. But for them, no, if they win the West, like I am predicting, big fans – just get Vic Fangio will win the coach of the year because if he can somehow some way with Von Miller getting hurt and now Corlin Sutton getting hurt today, lead the Broncos to the AFC West title over Kansas City. He definitely deserves coach of the year. That's my number two. And number one, uh, Callum, I'll give you the prediction before you get that clip rolling. And that is. My man, Drew Locke, who I have numerous occasions said I think he was the best quarterback of last year's rookie quarterback draft class. Drew Locke will pass for over 4,000-plus yards with 40-plus touchdown passes, 12 interceptions, and let's, not, uh, and let's not forget this. Drew Locke is not only going to do all that – but he's going to win League MVP. Do we have that clip, Callan, of Drew Long?
and that's yes, your sir. quarterback. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. So that folks is a couple of the hot takes or the bold predictions. And Christy, I agree. Please not the Broncos again, Isaiah. Good grief. And she also agrees though. She has another one. Sean McVay gets fired midway through the season as well. So I think we all agree on that one for right now. Uh, guys, mine are a, a bit off the wall here. Uh, just taking something from uh, CBS Sports here for these. But I have a couple, though, that I think are probably some very intriguing ones, though. Uh, first up, really no particular order for my Power 5 tonight. But first, I'm going to go with Joe Burrow setting the NFL record for most touchdown passes by a rookie quarterback this season. I know, of course, the Bengals are probably not everyone's uh, on everyone's watch list right now. But I think that Joe Burrow makes this team better. Joe Mixon also has an uh, option as the uh, running back as well. So I'm going to go with Joe Burrow setting the NFL record for most touchy, uh, touchdown passes by a rookie quarterback this year. Also, for my next one, mine is going to be that no team in the NFC North wins the, uh, or uh, no team in the NFC North hits double digit wins this year. I'm going to go with that one by virtue of, again, this division, a little bit rocky, Minnesota, Green Bay, Chicago, Detroit, of course. But I don't think either, uh, either of those teams will, in fact, get the uh, double digits. And also, I have this one about the NFC West. All four teams in the division will finish at or above 500, including Arizona. They'll be 8-8 eight and eight probably, but I think they're all going to finish at or above 500 this season. And also, I'm going to go with two more. I believe it's three. I'll go with two more here real quick. Uh, I'll go with Dak Prescott winning MVP as well, because I think he probably wants to prove to everyone, look, the contract thing is one thing, but I'm focusing on the game. I'm focusing on football. And I think that he's going to have a very big uh, MVP season. That probably, I think, much like I say a lot, though, fellas, in regards to what have you done for me lately, if Dak goes out there and gets his club to the postseason, wins MVP, I think he gets rewarded with that new contract. And also, last but certainly not least, Isaiah's Broncos will be worse than they were last season record-wise across the board. Probably, I think, 5-11 and 11 or maybe even 4-12. and 12. Maybe even, who knows, 0-16. We'll see how things go. But that, folks, is our Power 5 for tonight. Did the folks make one very key and one very, uh, very regrettable mistake today? Uh, that, folks, is the other announcement from us here on No BS. We have a fourth man joining our team next Friday. That is our man Furman the Laker Lee joining us next Friday to be part of the No BS team. So that, again, folks, will take place next Friday when we come back on here for our next episode of No BS back here at 6 p.m. or 6.30 Pacific time back here on the 6th. With that, of course, Trevor, as we uh, wind down for the night, got to ask, man, final thoughts for the show tonight. And for that matter, the first major uh, or a mega sports day, as we said, man, every league playing games today for the first time ever. I want more mega sports days. Come on, guys. Can we make this more happen more where I can wake up and see sports from sunrise to sunset? I love it. I can basically be distracted. It's like no BS times 10. So it's like I can do whatever I want today because I can watch sports. So sports gods answer our prayers to have this happen again in the summer where things can almost be back to normal. Maybe the Olympics in here and there. And that would be like the perfect ultra sports recipe of greatness right there. But I can't wait for this college football season to get underway. Some of the power five is getting underway. I understand Steven wants the Big Ten. Obviously, I want the Big Ten as well. But, yes, everything is getting back. Love football being back. Can't wait for the NFL first week to be completed. So 
can't wait to see how our pickums go out for everything on no BS as well as the MI6 Networks pickums. Everyone wants the Big Ten back on Wisconsin. Isaiah, how about you for your uh, final thoughts for the night show? Christy agrees, though, guys. Mega Sports Days definitely do rule the roost here. Well, I disagree, Callan and Trevor. The conference that I badly want back is USC. So, I mean, not USC. It's the uh, Pac-12. So that they can, uh, they can go out, right? And then USC can go out, lay an egg, and my guy Clay Helton can finally get fired, and USC can be freed of mediocrity. But in terms of final thoughts, uh, it was a phenomenal show tonight. I love the new segment that we have here on No BS. Can't wait for Furman to join us next week on No BS. Um, you know, the Chiefs defense tonight, I got to give them credit. You know, I talked a lot of crap about how they sucked and stuff like that, how a JB t football team. You like that? You like that? <laughs> yeah, I said a lot. I said a lot of things about how a JV football team would run through them. And hey, listen, they made me eat crow for one night. They only gave up 13 points to that dynamic Houston Texans offense led by Deshaun Watson. So hey, hopefully they keep it up and make me even uh, eat more crow as the season goes on but yeah great show man glad that all sports are going on right now and you know I just uh, hope that this weather gets back I mean gets back to normal so I can go back into my backyard enjoy the nice fresh air and do this great show yes 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 that is a live look at me having Pat Mahomes and the KC defense in the MI6 fantasy league tonight with the uh, Chiefs taking down Houston. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, Isaiah, Kirk Cousins wants to ask you again about. You like that? You like that? <laughs> that KC defense, baby, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> Just for right now, it's looking pretty good. I, yeah, I, I definitely agree with Kirk Cousins. But again, folks, once more, folks, let me again reiterate once more again. But as a reminder, again, a brand new program schedule debuting for you folks next Monday, September 14th. Again, you can catch our program now every Friday, 6 o'clock or 6.30 p.m. right here on the 6th of the course. We have Wild Sports Talk every Monday and Wednesday. We'll, uh, we'll be on air tomorrow with that at 7.30 p.m. back here on the 6th. And then also, folks, as mentioned, uh, Quarantine Chats is also moving, uh, as is Fan Response. And also, again, we'll be debuting a brand-new late-night show debuting next Tuesday called The Night Shift at 10 p.m. Again, it'll be myself, probably Isaiah, along for the ride to, again, kind of in a way recap the big news of the day, the scores and all that good stuff for you folks that, again, are probably up late and want to get caught up on the sports news. If you're scrolling through Facebook or on YouTube, again, we'll be here for you folks uh, starting every Tuesday and Sunday. Next week, again, we'll have uh, more about the uh, program schedule, again, coming up. I'll probably uh, put, I'll put out some type of a uh, article or a press release of some type because I do a lot of that, too, in my free time. So we'll, we'll explain the whole ordeal about the changes and stuff like that coming very shortly. Uh, and all that good stuff. So again, uh, Trevor and Isaiah, great stuff tonight. And uh, we'll see you guys again uh, next Friday uh, when we debut the brand new uh, lineup starting next week. All yeah, right. sounds good, man. Sounds good. Can't, can't wait for Furman to come on and join our team. It will be great. With that, folks, we thank you all very much for joining us. And we'll see you folks back here, as mentioned, starting next week, right back here next Friday, for that matter, for no BSing it, folks. Plenty more about that coming up on our social platforms, about the uh, new schedule coming uh, sometime very soon. With that, though, folks, take care. Have a great rest of your night. And so long. See you next week. Bye-bye. Yeah. Three C's, my fiat. Yeah. Whoa. Hey. Yeah. Whoa. Hey. Say what? Hey. Whoa. Three C's.
Flash Mafia. It's going down. Y'all know what time it is. We ain't playing with you in the club, in the street. Whoa, 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 whoa